Okay, before we move into our next topic, Mike, I believe you had one more resource you want to share with our listeners about uh, optimism and happiness. Yeah, you'd, you'd mentioned positive psychology mm-hmm. right at the end, and we're trying to come up with resources or want, want to give resources to people to use. Um, and this is a, a, an apocryphal story, but in 1998, there was an old guy working in a garden with his granddaughter, and uh, she was shoveling, uh, had a little shovel, she was shoveling dirt. She threw some dirt on his shoes, and he said, stop that. And she looked at him and she said, Grandpa, why are you always so negative? And it was like it hit him between the, the eyes. It was yeah. just all at once he realized, why am I so negative? Yeah. Well, luckily, it turns out that that guy was Martin Seligman, who was head of the American Psychological Association that year. So when he gave his keynote address, he, he brought up the fact that why do we look at things negatively instead of from a positive perspective? And he said the last hundred years of psychology has been looking at uh, diseases, uh, looking at uh, flaws in human uh, uh, mental states and so forth. He said, what would happen if we started looking at people positively? And that was the birth of positive psychology that you referred to. And what's interesting, I am just, I'm, a, I'm not a psychologist. I've taken... lot of courses, but I think that more good has been done in psychology since 1912 in the field of positive psychology than the previous century altogether. So um, if people are interested in uh, reading up on this, uh, Seligman has got a book called Authentic Happiness, uh, uh, or just Authentic Happiness, and I think that's something that um, people could take a look at. Excellent. uh, Yeah. Sounds like Dr. Seligman, he's someone that knows himself. Yeah, it's kind interesting, of our, isn't it? Right? Someone he got could, feedback in an odd way. And he can listen to and it. And he, he can process it and yep. not just tune it out and go, you're just my grant. What, you don't, what do you know? You know that, and I think that is what we're talking about today yep. is the ability to be introspective, the ability to change mm-hmm. and recognize your shortcomings and not as uh, a threat, but it's like, oh, I can improve this. Yep. What a great attitude to have instead of, just constantly pushing, pushing away back, from it. right? Yeah, pushing a bit away from it, and right. you know, you tend to see people that have that attitude are the ones that are not leading with humor, that are not that are pessimists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start to see some trends in a positive and negative way based on the things that we're, we're talking about. Exactly. Um, so I want to transition from that into our next topic, mm-hmm. and, and to set the table here, I have a, a quote, one of the longer quotes we have, but I think it's really powerful. Uh, it's from Gandhi. So your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, and your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values, your values become your destiny. So a little deep, but I really like it because it's, it's showing from a very you know, excellent resource, telling us that the things, the values, the things you believe, they're not just present uh, when you're not at work. They're present 24 hours a day. You can't escape them. Um, so for the, for the point of this discussion, I want to define a, a value. What we're, what we're calling a value is a, is a belief or philosophy that underlies our, wor- our worldview and the way we treat our family, employees, community, and the environment. Um, so when we talk about values, uh, when I first read uh, this chapter of your book and I read through uh, this blog post, it was, uh, was kind of challenging. It was kind of difficult for me to 
understand this one. I get humor. I get optimism. I think I've, mm-hmm. I've kind of got those. And I'm like, oh, I got those. I'm happy. But live in your values. This is something that kind of stuck with me. And it I, I really made me think about, you know, what are my values? What are the things that drive me day to day? And I was actually able to write down a few things that I believe in that help to um, form my thoughts, form my actions. Um, and I realized that these values that I carry, they really do drive my actions and decisions. And um, what, what, you're, what we're talking about in this blog post is how to understand those values and how they help you in the workplace and as in, in a leadership setting. So Mike, can you kind of tell us um, from your perspective, what were you thinking? What made you include this section, uh, not only in the periodic uh, elements table, but in the book and as a part of our our, our conversation today. Um, actually, this is probably the toughest one to talk about. Yeah. Um, because it's it's much more complex than you think it is at first glance, and we can we can talk a little bit about personal values, and we can talk about organizational values because mm-hmm. there uh, there's some interesting overlaps in there to to talk about. But here's a, here's a problem. Um, when I would do surveys um, and ask people what their values were, usually it's easier to give them a page of about 30 values, and then I have them circle their top 10. Okay. Uh, invariably, um, for across the board, uh, private sector, government, people will uh, have integrity, certainly in the pop, top three of their mm-hmm. personal, if not the top. Um, but if you, if you talk to psychologists that look at this, study this, Um, this is a cognitive bias. We all think we have integrity. Mm -hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We all think we have integrity. So even the the burglar thinks he has integrity because, um, oh, gee, all those white-collar guys are are corrupt. Uh, They've rationalized their behavior. Exactly. It's all rationalized. I need this for my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And otherwise, I'm good on my word and so forth. I'm just stealing things from people who can afford to have it stolen. So... The problem is if we all think we have integrity, um, then how do you talk about values in the workplace or um, in the training classes um, to get across how the importance of values? Um, if I get up and I lecture on integrity, um, and I, I think on our, our uh, course that, that we put together, I gave one talk on uh, um, a major who would lecture to us at West Point mm-hmm. every every week, Wednesday nights. And I remember the leadership lecture, and I'm thinking to myself, geez, I hope Freddie next to me is listening. <laughs> and uh, Freddie is, sort of, of course, hearing this, and he's thinking, gee, I hope Mike is, yeah. is listening, right? right. Uh, so I have three rules that, that are you have to get around in leadership. One of, one of them is if you tell them, they won't listen. Uh, number two is um, what's in their head is not in yours. And then the third one is they won't tell you what's in their head. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to get around that. So how in the world could you bring values into the workplace? Mm-hmm. And if you're a new leader to go up and say, these are my values, um, I don't think you're going to have any impact whatsoever. There are things you can do to get that across. So it's more your actions. It's what Well, you it's all, obviously, it's all your behaviors because that's all they can see. They cannot see your values. They can't see your ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't see your hopes and dreams. All they see is how you literally behave um, and how you how you talk. Uh, and they're putting a lot more weight on the behavior. 
And I love that quote from Gandhi that you started with. I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it is true. If you can change behavior, um, which are invisible to you, but visible to others, your behaviors, um, then you practice those long enough and that will become a value. You look at the civil rights movement. Uh, that was legislated uh, decades ago, changed behaviors over time, and gradually became a value. Um, but it's interesting how you have that hierarchy that, that Gandhi right. covered. Yep. Now, f- from a work perspective, uh, if I'm listening to this, I'm probably struggling to understand what are my values uh, and how they apply to my job. So um, the, we're not talking about your religion and how, you know, your value of right. spiritualism. Uh, we're talking about things, and I'll, I'll use uh, something from the Army again. There was an acronym leadership and it's ingrained in my head we learned it day one uh see if i can if i can still do it loyalty duty honor respect leader selfless service honor integrity personal courage well done i haven't thought about that in 10 years but it's right there Mm -hmm. and when i think about what are my values those are my values Mm -hmm. because those were instilled in me for several years as an officer so i kind of understand those are the things that i think i come back to um, does it matter what your values are? Are there some values that you absolutely have to have? Um, what is your, your research? Yeah, well, us? it's interesting. I, I started decades ago. I would have people uh, do that little exercise I mentioned and mm-hmm. tell me what their actual values were. Which I think is great, too. Great, but, great, and talking that. about getting a good, some good discussions going. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't take long to rank those and post it up on the wall. Um, then I had people say, okay, those are personal values, but now let's talk organizational values, right. which are a little different. How they mesh. Yeah, and so I'd give them another list of 30 organizational values and have them, how, what is it like to work here day to day? What are our actual values that mm-hmm. we in the workplace? Um, and then they would, they would put those down. Uh, I would rank those. And then the last question, though, the same list is... Um, in an ideal workplace, where would you really like to work? What would those values look like? And the group cranks it out. And it takes, this is like a 15-minute exercise. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating. When you put all the results on the board, what you see in most organizations is the theoretical values that the people want. Mm-hmm. Very powerful stuff, by the way. Does not match the actual day-to-day values. Mm-hmm. So that's that problem with culture, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at their personal values. And their personal values line with their theoretical place that they'd like to work. The organization. But not with the actual workplace. Right. So there's some grinding going on every day with most people mm-hmm. uh, between the values of the workplace and, um, and their personal values. In fact, I've got a quiz for you now. Since okay. you gave me an... Are you ready? I'm ready. I walk into an organization and I see um, their value statement. Okay. That's a plus. They have one. They have one. And it's respect, integrity, commitment, and excellence. What was that organization? Respect, integrity, commitment, and excellence. Right. Yeah. That's how they remember it. It's clever. (laughs) Rice University, I'm guessing? Don't you wish. It was Enron. Enron? Oh, no. (laughs) So... That's what I'm saying. There can be often be a dis- disconnect between stated values right. uh, by organizations, certainly. Mm-hmm. Thinking that, okay, if we put this value statement on the wall, that's it. Well, no, it's not. It's mm-hmm. how do your, all your managers and leaders behave every mm-hmm. day? How do they treat people? 
Um, and and uh, are they showing people respect? Are they mm-hmm. helping people grow or not? So I love this topic. I, I, I did a organizational assessment for a client uh, in the in the health space uh, sector, and we looked at everything. And to your, just like you're saying, um, there's this real gap between what the organization's core values are, what the leaders should be instilling, and what the people are feeling. If respect is there, they're feeling disrespected. If it's respect my time and my my uh, efforts, they're not getting that. So what what are what are some things that leaders could be doing? Because the first reaction from the head person is we need more leadership training. Right. And they throw them in a leadership course and hope they come back better leaders. Uh, I mean, can you talk to us? What are some real things that we can do instead of just kind of putting a Band-Aid on uh, leadership challenges? Yeah. The, you know, the interesting thing is all the data I collected, I never had somebody tell me uh, a list of values that are the antithesis of what you want. Mm. In other words, the, the I never saw the Antichrist rising up and saying, you know, my values are exact opposites of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It dishonor, disintegrity, yada, da, da, da. da. Um, if, you, if you have a group uh, working for you, you can trust them to have a discussion. Uh, so the answer about values, and the answer, so the answer to your question is inclusion. Mm. Instead of preaching, these are my values, Please follow them. Pull them in together. Mm-hmm. Have a discussion, and you could do it like like we just talked. You could do it with a yeah. list of values, circle the ones. And, mm-hmm. But anyway, have them generate a list of values that they can vote on mm-hmm. and agree upon. And suddenly, you'll have a beautiful list of powerful values for your workplace. Right. Now, maybe there's one missing. Maybe you'd like to see creativity there. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the boss. It's your prerogative. You could mention it and slip it in. But but let them build it. Right. And now everybody has bought in and everybody's fully agreed to this set of mm-hmm. values. And you're not going to miss a lot of them that you'd like to see, I promise you. And I, I, would, I would venture to guess the next step is, okay, we've had this great discussion. We've done a couple of weeks' worth of work and reviews. Um, where I see organization, organizations fall short is that they don't operationalize those values or those concepts. Absolutely. So they're, they're, just, they're just words on a piece of paper, but the business process hasn't changed. I still have to get 10 different people to review this. I still have the same frustration. So we walk away from that meeting and nothing changes. Uh, we talked earlier about habits. and I, I think we're going to have to do a whole podcast on habits and those. I'm sure that's coming we, up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's coming yeah. up, but I'm always... From a consultant perspective, I wish I could just stay and I, you know, we do the strategy work, everyone's happy, got to operationalize it. You got to figure out how do I take that value and build that into what my people do day to day. If not, it's going to fall flat. It is, I mean, it, I love it. It's what you just said. It's operationalizing and other doing it. Doing and, it, uh, right. People understand that this is a facade if it's on the wall, but it's not being practiced. Mm-hmm. I, I'll call an organization out because this was long ago, but I walked into the Department of Energy one time, mm-hmm. and they had huge banners over suddenly up, up on the walls, uh, our 10 leading principles. Mm-hmm. And number four was uh, people are our most important asset. Right. And, and thought, you thought, right on, yeah. right on. So I immediately run in, I pick up the phone and call up a couple of supervisors. Anything different today? No. Had any new training? No. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anybody talk to you about change of philosophy? No. Absolutely nothing was changed, but a few, a handful of people at the top of that organization got very excited putting together that list. Right. But then it just landed with a thud. And you see that a lot. I, I, I worked for a three-letter uh, big four consulting firm, and those propaganda posters are everywhere. <laughs> Right, and we looked at them and go, "Where? Who is this for?" <laughs> like, because it's a, we value our people, we value your time. Wow, you know, I'm working on Sundays, <laughs> most Sundays. So who is this? I never understood. I still don't know who those posters were for, because it never aligned to what I experienced right. and what my peers experienced. So, yeah, this disconnect between leadership, head leadership, manage frontline managers and employees. Uh, it's something that we really can improve upon in most organizations. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, taking these values. So one, kind of bringing it back. So one, understanding what are your personal values? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the organizational values? And I would say, you know, one of the things I would first look at, I know from my perspective, when I look at a potential job, I want to understand, like, what is this company about? You know, when I was younger, it was just, oh, job opportunity. I'm, let's go. Whatever. I don't care. But now, you know, I kind of want to know, is this the right cultural fit for me? And, you know, we talked about millennials earlier. It's a different ballgame. If millennials aren't happy, they're leaving. They believe that they can get a job at the next place making more money or, you know, working less hours. And they're not afraid. Whereas 30 years ago, my mom and dad, they had a job. They weren't leaving unless you kicked them out. It was 40 years or 20 years, 30 years, get my pension and retire. Um, the game has changed. So this is something that as leaders we really need to understand um, and we should put ourselves in the best fits for ourselves. Uh, don't go work for an organization that you look up their people and about us and you go, I don't believe any of that. Exactly. Uh, you want to you have some sense of I believe in you know the values of this company. Mm-hmm. I believe maybe in what they're doing, and I feel good about it. I want to be a part of it. I think that should be part of the process for people before they even get into uh, a work or an engagement. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my two big pieces of advice to millennials or anybody else who's coming into a company or an organization is um, find out about the boss, find out about the culture. Yeah. And uh, don't worry about the title, the job title. Um, because uh, the, what you're going to find is culture and the immediate boss will either drive you crazy yep. or open up doors that you never believed and stretch you, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. Now, how do you do that? Uh, well, you got to call people uh, after the interview. You'll never get it through the interview process. Mm-hmm. You'll never get it on the website, but um, after you get a lead on uh, uh, who is who will my boss be, um, and in many cases, you can find that out. Right. Ask the question. Look yeah. it up on LinkedIn. Then you find out who works for that boss and just ring them up and say, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm interested in maybe I'm considering coming to work there. But I was wondering, can you tell me a little bit about the work environment? What do you guys mm-hmm. do? Chat them up for a little while, warm them up, and then hit them with a big one. Is Oh, what's the boss like? Mm-hmm. And you'll know immediately because they may say, well... That's not a good sign, is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, or they may be, they may say he's a good boss. He's that's, a bit pessimistic. That's a good that's a good sign. He's a good boss. But if it's that breathless, oh, yeah, oh, she is wonderful. Yeah, I just love driving to work. There you go, bingo. Yeah, that's what you're looking that's for. You're if you're thinking about, about I like this right. organization, it's fitting well for no. me. Boom, that's maybe a so. Good that's sign. one part of it is who's the boss. The other part is the culture. So 
You, you ask. You also do the same process. Ask people who work there. You say, "Look, uh, up on the wall, it says uh, your your vision is creativity, innovation, agility. Uh, is that what really is? Is it like that there?" Mm-hmm. And then listen very closely, and, yeah. and you'll find out maybe it's in fact a rules-bound organization that uh, you're not supposed to make mistakes. Blame is assigned, mm-hmm. and uh, your boss says to you, "Well, yes, we do want you to be creative, but check with me first. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I th- another way of going about that um, would be asking. So you, you're an agile organization. What does that mean in my day to day? Or how are you innovative? Uh, there's numerous tools out there now that um, are promoting innovation, getting everyone involved in ideation. So not just the top SMEs that we always go to, but you know the person on the front line might have an idea too. So I love seeing these tools coming out that are really uh, pushing engagement, pushing innovation. Uh, you know, it's a pr- tremendous time to be in the leadership field and being part of organizations. You know, in, in final word too is that um, you raised an interesting point about uh, talking about agility. What does it mm-hmm. mean? What do any of these words mean? What does collaboration mean? The boss says, "I want you to be more collaborative. Right. I want to. I want to have a more integrated team. I want. Uh, I want you to be more creative." And uh, but but their creativity may not be my creativity. Right. Their creativity different backgrounds, different buttoned values. down, and mine is wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, accountability, all the all these value words are the same way. The vocabulary is tough because I have meaning in my mind of what accountability is. It's something that's um, clear understanding of what you want me to do, um, and uh, the guide the guide rules are there, and we've set mileposts. That's my view of accountability. Then mm-hmm. uh, somebody else's view is. Well, it's it's bringing somebody up in here and reprimanding them when they mm-hmm. make a mistake. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Yes. So there's Great all point. these value words uh, are tricky mm-hmm. because when you again pontificate up in front of a group and say these are our values, they can't define those words. It's going to take some discussion to get there, mm-hmm. and that's why uh, again inclusion's the answer. Pull a group in, get them to brainstorm. What are our group values? And then later you can come back and say, okay, well, we had, uh, I noticed we had in, uh, integrity here. Well, what does that really mean in the workplace? And mm-hmm. then you can get granularity right. and you can kind of bring it down opposite of the Gandhi order uh, from, uh, you know, values, Police. destiny to values yeah. Yeah. to back down to the behaviors that right. you've got to do in the workplace. Excellent. Um, so just to wrap up today's uh, podcast, we do have one more video. Uh, we have one from uh, Coach. This is actually Coach James Franklin of Penn State Football. Uh, he has a video that I thought was really excellent. He talks about what are your core values and are you using them to improve the quality of your life and your work? Uh, part of discovering what values exist at your core is looking back at the failures and triumphs of life to improve and ensure a successful future. Um, so Mr. Uh, Coach Franklin uh, talks about kind of his road and how he has taken his own values and applied them to the culture of his teams and his organization and found success in doing that. So um, as a football coach myself, I think it's fascinating to see how these coaches promote um, the right things. You can see organizations and teams that do it well and others that don't. It's very clear. And I think uh, this video tells you a lot about um, values and how they how important they are to forming your own personal in this case he formed his own personal vision for leadership and applied it to football and it's a really nice uh, short video 
So that's all we have today. Thank you very much for listening. Again, you can find us at leadershipraccoon.com, on Twitter at Leadership Raccoon, and on Facebook, Leadership Raccoon. Thanks and have a great day.